You're listening to ESPN 100.3 FM, KLRZ, La Rose, New Orleans, and the River Region. It's the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Hello, sports fans. Well, hello there. Local sports, national sports. The GCAT has got you covered. Oh, you made a wise choice, my friend. Time to tee it up and let it fly. It's the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Check it out, 800-998-1003 is a way to chime into the conversation. Ralph Marlboro, Saints Happy Hour Podcast at 115. He told you so. Nope. <coughs> he did. Last week he told you so. He said the Saints were going to play their best game, and they did. What does it have to uh, do going into this week? We'll talk about that. Aaron Summer, Saints and Pelicans team reporter. She was at the arena last night. She's at practice right now. See if the Saints are going to get any healthier whatsoever. Any hope of Michael Thomas coming back? Marshawn Lattimore coming back, maybe, perhaps, for the final game? The all-or-nothing game. Oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. It's hump day. Hump day! I know you can hear me. Let's get stupid. Today's more than what the camel Wednesday hump day. Is what it is. Ah, yes. Yes, 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 yes. It is hump day. LSU making major defensive changes. Parting ways with coordinator Matt House, safeties coach Kerry Cooks, cornerbacks coach Robert Steeples, and defensive line coach Jimmy Lindsay. So the team choosing to part ways, and I mean, look, again, the quarterback for Wisconsin had like six touchdowns all season, and he was substantially going up and down the field. I mean, yeah, it's got to do something. LSU did finish for a 10-3 season, that 35-31 win on Monday, but again, you look at the numbers, which, yikes, right? Now, LSU uh, did keep Bob Diaco, who replaced uh, the outside linebackers coach over there and special teams coordinator. So th- there are one or two still holdovers, but for the most part, again, um, th- this had to, I guess, happen. I mean, you couldn't have the defense that you had and essentially not do something about it one way, shape, or form. And that's kind of where they are here. So when you look at it, who will be the defensive coordinator? What kind of defensive coordinator do you get? How do you use certain players? You know, a lot of attention has been made, obviously, um, Makai Wingo, that video that was shown, it kind of went viral, showed him kind of basically brushing off Matt House. Didn't want to really say anything to him. House is all excited. He's like, yeah, hey, good, good game. And he's like, yeah, I'm out. Um, I, I go back to Harold Perkins. I, I you know, it's, it's crazy how you had such an impact last year and in the decision to basically make him something else. It was kind of nuts. And look, I'm not comparing the two. I'm not saying the situations are identical. I would say they're somewhat similar just from this aspect of it. I I was talking with Aaron about it yesterday 
in the Pell studio, and I'll bring it up when she comes on the air here at the bottom of the hour. But, look, I'll just be honest. Training camp, practice, or whatever, I'm like, why is Zach Bond on this team, roster-wise? Like, you had other guys that I thought could have helped you. And Zach Bond's on the team. He can't cover anybody. Well, that's because that, that's that's not what he is. He's a pass rusher. Last couple of games, impact player, rushing the passer, making stops behind the line of scrimmage, getting a sack or two, being impactful. Imagine that, using a player the right way. And, and look, and that, this could be a much longer conversation for another day, right? And we will. We're going to have a ton of these next week. But that is the biggest indictment when you look at one side of airline drive is you're drafting players to play positions that, well, they didn't get to college because of it. You're still trying to make Cesar Ruiz a right guard. He's a center. Well, McCoy really came along. They don't draft him. (laughs) And if you thought McCoy wasn't coming along after one year, then that, again, it goes back to why did you draft him? It just, it goes on and on. But the whole point is, when I look at like Perkins and you look at players like that, it's being able to put players in the right this position. If you got a guy that can be disruptive and can be dominant and do those things, I don't know. Maybe you build your defense around that. Let that player that's that special that can use his athleticism do that instead of having him back and drop back into coverage. I can throw away from him. I can run away from him. And basically, by the principle of you doing so, you take him out of the play. Doesn't make any sense to me. But I'm not a coach. So, anyway. um, So, there you go. Now, Brian Kelly did retain defensive assistant John Jancic. He was moved from outside linebackers to defensive line. Right before preseason camp, uh, his role moving forward will be determined per Wilson Alexander and Shay Dixon reporting that as well. But again, Matt House, the defensive coordinator, safeties coach Kerry Cooks, cornerbacks coach Robert Steeples, and defensive line coach Jimmy Lindsay have been let go. So it is essentially, I mean, it's a, it's a complete overhaul of the defensive side of the ball. And I mean, you had to. You literally wasted one of the greatest offensive performances in college football history, much less LSU history. I mean, you just did. And there it is. Uh, the other bit of news that we've been talking about here as well, Pelicans getting the win last night, getting a solid win all the way around, which I think is key, that you didn't play with your food, as I keep re- re- using that reference. And that is, in essence, you got to go take care of a team that's lost eight of its last ten games. I mean, there's no other way to look at it. I mean, when you do that, you have to take care of that. Time now for the lead. The lead. The lead. The lead. Here's what's topping our headlines on the Sports Hangover. Lead in Hour 1, brought to you by Lakeview Massage and Therapy. The lead in Hour 2, brought to you by Upper Cervical Family Chiropractic. Dr. Josh Roulette runs and owns both. My wife literally is going there at 320 because she popped the rib joint out. I don't know how she did. I woke up, I'm like, what did I do? She's on the couch. <laughs> What's wrong with you? My back hurts. Uh, she goes and describes it. It's what happened to me. 
Same side on the left side and everything. I'm starting to think it's the 71-pound 7-year-old that we have who uh, likes to jump on us every now and then. Anyway, so yeah, the lead is the Pelicans taking care of business. That's how you have to look at it. 112-85, to 85, 10 points for Zion, 12 for Brandon, 14 for Herb Jones, 11 for Valanciunas to go with 12 rebounds. C.J. McCollum had 16 points, had four three-pointers in that game out of his 16 points. Remarkably... Not a single starter named Zion, Brandon, Jonas, or CJ went to the free throw line. The only starter that had a free throw attempt was Herb Jones. He had two. You heard me right. Not a single starter other than Herb Jones went to the free throw line. Zion got mugged on one play. Literally, it, it was being held. And, um, yeah, no foul called. And he got a T. He went straight up to the official said something. And there are John DeShazer, so yeah, go go get your T. You deserve it and earned it. So anyway, uh that took place. But after the game, Willie Green I, like like me, I, I think you went, you took care of your, your business, and are you taking that step? Look, you had a big win against the Lakers. I could understand the emotional letdown. You have a big game tonight against first place Minnesota. Target center, they're 14 and 1 this season. It's going to be a tough one. You got the Clippers coming in on Friday. They're playing substantially better. They're up to fourth place. They were not in fourth place when you played and beat them in November. So they're playing really good with the beard and everybody. And then you got a five game road trip that starts at Sacramento, 5 o'clock on Sunday. Then you got a game against the Golden State Warriors, which is a Wednesday game. And then you continue to move forward against Denver, and then you face Dallas twice before coming back here. So a pretty tough start to this month. You had to have that yesterday. We're getting there. I'm definitely seeing us come out and have more of a sense of urgency across the board. Uh, like I said, a lot of it is all of our guys, the whole staff, having discussions, being honest about what we want, where we are, and how to make steps towards being the team that we know we can be. And, and tonight was another step in the right direction. Indeed. Quick break. We come back. We'll see if the Saints took a step in some direction. You know what? Maybe I'll start that, that interview with Ralph Marlborough like that. In what direction did the Saints take that step in? I don't really know. Love to find out, though. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll join Ralph Marlborough. You're listening to the Sports Hangover. On ESPN New Orleans. Teaming up to create a healthier community, Coastal Broadcasting and Thibodeau Regional Medical Center present Health Watch. One injury that is sure to interrupt participation in athletic activity is injury to the anterior cruciate ligament. This is commonly known as an ACL tear. The ACL is considered the athletic ligament of the knee. It functions to resist anterior tibial translation and rotational loads. Both contact and non-contact ACL injuries occur. Although non-contact, tears and ruptures are most common. A cut and plant movement is the typical mechanism that causes an ACL tear, that being a sudden change in direction or speed with the foot firmly planted. Rapid deceleration moments, including those that involve planting the affected leg to cut and change direction, have also been linked to ACL injuries, as well as landing from a jump, pivoting, twisting, and direct impact to the front of the tibia. Female athletes are more susceptible to ACL injuries due to biomechanical factors. 
So coaches of female athletes especially should incorporate ACL prevention exercises into workout routines. Prevention programs should be started in the off season, well before the playing season begins. Always warm up before playing. It is important to get blood circulating to the muscles before starting a game or practice. Being flexible enough to move freely can help you maintain ideal form. Include stretches for your thighs, calves, and hips, and pay particular attention to any areas that are especially tight. Develop body awareness through strengthening the hips, core, and thighs. A variety of squats and lunges are a couple of exercises that can build strength. Using proper technique is crucial. Develop body awareness through balance. Many injuries occur when an athlete is off balance. Like anything, balance gets better with practice. Begin with sturdy surfaces and advance to uneven footing. Run to a line or cone, plant your outside foot without letting your knee collapse inward to change direction. Move in patterns that take you front to back, side to side, and diagonally. Start by running slowly so you can concentrate on good position. Always jump, land, stop, and move with your knees directly over your feet. Begin by jumping straight upward several times. Spring up, then land with your feet and knees pointing straight ahead. Careful not to let your knees buckle inward. Let your knees bend softly each time you land. Practice proper landing technique until it becomes second nature. Keep your knees bent, your chest high, your glutes back, and land softly. Remember, quality workouts are the key to keeping you safely in the game. Adequate sleep, rest days, and alternating hard workouts with easier workouts are all important strategies to help reduce your risk of injury and make you a strong, powerful athlete. If you have questions about injury prevention strategies, please contact us at the Sports Medicine Center of Thibodeau Regional at 985-493-4502, 493-4502, or www.thibodeau.com, www.thibodeau.com. Health Watch is a presentation of Coastal Broadcasting in Thibodeau Regional Medical Center. For more information on the Sports Medicine Center of Thibodeau Regional, call 985-493-4502 or visit Thibodeau.com. How can we be excited about a show where we just talk? Talk sports. That's how they talk in the Major League. Now back to the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. Walter, give me your quick thoughts, sir, and we can get to Ralph Marlboros. Welcome you back to the Sports Hangover. What you got, Walter? Okay. I just saw on the Internet that they redone uh, Latin was sorry. And then they said after two after two 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 oh twenty four they could cut car and it won't cost them that much money. So I think they got to draft a quarterback so they could they they I would trade I would trade and trade and get a quarterback that could, that we could develop and uh, and so we we don't have to pay all this money after two twenty four. Okay, don't you think? Well, I tell you what. I'll have you lead into Ralph Marbro, and he can start taking that question here as well. So, Walter, you can hold on if you would like. I'll and hold listen. on, okay. Okay, all right. Let's put you on hold. Let's um, okay. get back with Ralph Marbro. Happy New Year to you, sir. How are you? I'm good. I was, I'm really sore. I was patting myself on the back so much for being like the only person in the world that predicted the Saints-Tampa game exactly correct. Um, mm-hmm. just want y'all to know that. Uh, the Saints shouldn't take a quarterback, though, because here's the thing, guys. Like, their salary cap is a mess for, like, this year. Probably, like, a two-year process. 
the value of a, taking a young quarterback is you draft your young quarterback and then say he's really good or even like average to above average, then you're not paying him. So you use all the other cap space to build around him. If the Saints draft a quarterback next this draft in 2024, they're going to basically burn the first two years of his contract where they're getting out of this cap, not this cap difficulty, cap hell, whatever you want to call it. So I just like the, the quarterback. Like I just don't see them doing it. And like if they win Sunday, whether they go to the playoffs or not, like they're going to be picking in the teams, man. They get no quarterback. Jaden Daniels, he's going top five. It's going to be Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels. They're going to be gone before eight o'clock hits in the draft. So, like this fantasy that they can get a guy. I, mean, I think even Michael Penix will probably climb in the top ten. Like all these teams ahead of the Saints need quarterbacks. Like I just I don't see this quarterback. So to Walter's point, when you're um trying to get under the cap here, like the dead money is even more now. Um, it creates a little cap space here, but they converted $13.79 million, um, and Lattimore's 15 base salary into an option bonus. He's still got to pay that and smile some way. So, um, I don't know, man. What, what, it, it's Only just 75 more million to go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how to phrase the question because I, I get like, I, I'm seeing the video in the locker room, and and I get you should be happy after win. You work hard; those guys work hard. They get the treatment. They do all those things. They put in the hours. I do. I do get that, Ralph. But man, I just I literally just start shaking my head left to right when I see the owner standing behind Dennis. Her hands are clasped. She's smiling for me to. You like you, you have no idea really how bad a spot y'all are in. I mean, it's it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, listen, the, the Saints, like, they're locked in. And, like, the, the like, big picture, the case for keeping DA is kind of like, listen, buddy, you wanted Derek Carr. We got you Derek Carr. Instead of taking roster flexibility for 2024, we, we got you Derek Carr instead. Like, we're locked in with this roster and this quarterback. Buddy, you're going to drive this train until it crashes. Like, I think that that's, like, the overall, like, a big case for taking Dennis Allen because, it's one, if you fire him, like, whoever they bring in, like, they're stuck with this roster. There's no trading Lattimore, especially now. There's no trading Camara. There's no trading DeMario Davis. Like, there's, there's none of that. They can't. They have to. They, they still have to clear, like, $76 million of base just to get under the cap. So, like, there's no – burning this down and doing a tank and all that. Like, they're stuck with this roster. Gus, the only way out of this sort of mediocrity or whatever you want to call it, there's only one way out. Draft better and DA revamps the offensive staff and he makes a, a couple of really good hires. That's the only path out to being better in 2024. There's no other path. There's no other path. Like, like roster-wise, they're keeping DA. There's no other path. Like, that's, that's it. And I know people can can be mad. They can stomp their feet. They can yell and scream at you or me or whatever. Like, that's it. That's the path to, to being better. And either you either you accept it or you don't. But there's no, I don't see another path. It's a good path, isn't it? <laughs> you know what? You said it. You said you patted yourself on the back. You called it. 
I did. You knew they were going to come out and play dominant, at least in the first half. I did. Like, here's the thing. Like, forgetting, like, all these people that know that. I, I, you don't know ball, Ralph. I don't I, – I admit, I'm not a big X's and O's guy, but I do know Saints history. And the Saints are, like, 50-0 and 0 when they are playing a game that's almost meaningless and they're almost eliminated from the playoffs. They play, like, the 73 Dolphins. Like, that's been my entire life, Gus. But besides that, like, just for the football part of it, like, the Saints had 11 days to get ready for this. And, like, Dennis, I mean, practicing in pads, like, it matters. and that's what, Like, you knew this veteran group, like, they just, they, they haven't quit all year. So you knew they were going to give their best shot. And the thing about Tampa is as much credit as they got for the four-game winning streak and give them full credit. Like, it wasn't like they beat any good team. Green Bay, Green Bay you might say they're good. Their defense is atrocious. They got beat by Tommy DeVito, for God's sake. Right? They beat Carolina, who, oh, by the way, Carolina had the ball at the 40-yard line on a third and one and ran two horrifically bad plays, and Tampa won that game 21-18. You know, they, they, like, those wins they got were not that impressive. I mean, they beat, a, what, a 7-9 and, a seven and nine Atlanta team, too. Like, those wins weren't that impressive. So Tampa and the Saints and Atlanta, they're all pretty much the same team. So, like, it wasn't that surprising. The interesting thing to me, Gus, Yes. Can you remember a Saints team in your lifetime that's as bad at running the ball as this Saints team? Like, their running plays are so bad, it doesn't matter the down and distance. I yell at the TV, I'm like, why are you running? It's right. a waste to play. Like, this running game is the I think it's the worst Saints running game I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, if you take out the Taysom runs, it's the worst one in the game in the league. Like, it's, it's abysmal. And I'm actually surprised, Gus, that their inability to run run the ball hasn't bit him in the butt more than, like, the Green Bay game where they couldn't hold the 17 enough lead. Because usually when you can't run the ball, like the Saints can't run the ball, you usually blow late games because you, you, can't, you can't milk clock. You can't, you can't sort of close out the game. And they did it against Tampa. It took shenanigans and fumbles and weird plays. But, like, their running game is so bad. I just, it's indescribable now. Are you a car believer yet? I mean, here's the thing with Carr. Like, if he, you know, because if he throws for 300 yards and three touchdowns against Atlanta, which is possible, Atlanta's defense is not great. It's kind of banged up. And it's kind of struggling. Justin Fields just put him up in the snow. Right? If he throws for three touchdowns and 300 yards, he'll reach his career average of 26 or 26 touch, or 29 touchdowns and 3,900 yards. Like, that's what he does. And that's who he is. Like, the thing with Derek Carr is it's not so much I'm a believer, but, Gus, if I had told you in the summer and I had said, listen, I'm not going to tell you how Derek Carr is going to be, but the Saints are going to be the worst running team in football. What would you – if you told me that in the summer, I'd be like, uh-oh, that's a really bad sign for Derek Carr because he needs a lot of things to be successful. So if you told me that Saints are going to be the worst running team in the, in the league or the second worst by yep. Archie Carey, I, and you told me this would would be the Derek Carr that I would get, I'd be like, mm, it's pretty good. Like, and that's not making excuses for him because he is what he is and he doesn't elevate anybody. But like the Saints, when they purchased Derek Carr, when they got him, they were like, we have a good offensive line. We have a good defense. Mm-hmm. We just need a quarterback to maintain it. And we don't need him to elevate us. We just need him to be league average. And what they thought was completely wrong. Their offensive line stinks. Their running game stinks. Their receivers are kind of injured and not great. 
the defensive line is is not great what they thought. So like it, it, like they got the quarterback they thought they were getting. They didn't have the team they thought they had. Ah, you know what? That's an interesting point to put it that way. It's an interesting way to put it that way. Look, next week I have a feeling we we're gonna have our time to be able to do that. I not that they can't come out and beat Atlanta. A lot of the things have to happen. So obviously, let let's go to this. Give me the worst case, best case scenario that'll make you pour a heavy pour on Sunday. I mean, listen, I think I think the Saints are gonna beat Atlanta. I I think the Saints are gonna stomp Atlanta to the ground. I think like there's gonna be like mid third quarter and, and like Atlanta fans are gonna be like put Arthur Smith in a cannon and fire him into the sun. <laughs> like I that, that's what I think. And then our uh, like it's gonna be so much fun, Gus. At one point it's gonna be twenty eight to three and we're gonna have giggles and laughs and then we're gonna turn our eyes to Carolina. The thing with Carolina is they're so bad. Mm-hmm. I just I wonder if they can win. But I will say this: if if Bryce Young can lead the Carolina Panthers to victory, I will buy him a child's large NFC South Champions T-shirt and send it to him uh, as a thank you. Um, but Carolina, like Carolina, is so so bad. But here's the thing: like Tampa, they like that that Carolina that last Carolina game. Like it was twenty, it was twenty-one to eighteen. Mm-hmm. With two and a half minutes left, and Carolina had third and one at their own forty and couldn't convert it. Like it's not like it's not out of the realm of possibility that I'm wrong about the Saints doing a blowout, and everybody else is wrong about Tampa walking to victory. But there's a, there, I think it's more likely than not that at three o'clock you're texting me and you're like, "Oh my God, this is <laughs> happening!" And and both games are one score, mm. like, and it's just absolute chaos from like 3 to 3.15 in the NFC South. Like, that is probably the most likely scenario, um, which, I mean, Gus, I said it on my podcast, like, I think if the Saints win and they win the South and Carolina wins as well, like, it'll be a top five all-time greatest regular season moment for me personally. Like, really? I can just, like, just imagine it. It's like, it's 3.05, Saints wrap up the game with Atlanta. You flip over, and Carolina does a hold or makes a big play, and they win, and they win <laughs> the Saints and Dennis Allen win the South. Like, for that five-minute window, the emotion that you'll have will just be incredible. Like, it's, like and yes, they might get their head kicked in in the playoffs or whatever, but in that moment, like, it'll be great. And, and Gus, maybe, tell me if I'm wrong, I know the Saints, like, they beat the Rams in 1990 because the Cowboys had lost the day before. And they, in the Saints, Morton Anderson kicked the field goal. They got 8-8. Eight eight, they got in the playoffs for the second time. Mm-hmm. But in my entire life, I cannot remember a time where the Saints went into the final week of the regular season and won and had things go their way and got in the playoffs. I can remember a couple of times where, like, they needed to win, and they and they won in, in the Rams game two years ago. Twenty one, you know, um, they 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 won, and they didn't, and it didn't work out. I can think of a couple other times, but like I can't even remember my entire life where like things fall the Saints' way and they go in the playoffs, and it all happens the same day. Can you? No. <laughs> so it, it can set up one of those moments where you go, did that really just take place and just happen? And remember, you have those afternoon games if they have to rely on the wild card spot. So go Cardinals, Bears, and Panthers. That's right. And the ban- and, then, and here's the thing, Gus. At NFC South, the banner hangs forever. Like that's why I, that's why I want it. Um, 
But it's like, do you agree? Like, I just have this sense that the, the NFC South is not built for nice and neat. Like, it must be messy. It must be sloppy. It's the drunk stumbling to their car, making bad decisions all along the way. Like, I just, I don't feel like the NFC South is going to wrap up where you're going to look up and you'll be like, ah, Tampa's up 24 to 3, third quarter. Ah, this is done. Like, no, it's just, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not the NFC we know and love, NFC South we know and love. This, this has to be, this has to be incredibly messy and stupid and silly and hilarious. Um, for all the teams involved. Ralph Marlboro, as always, man. Appreciate the time for coming on. And you said you were right. Let's see if you're right again this week. All right, guys. Talk to you next week. Yeah, for sure. At Saints Forecast, way to follow on Twitter, Saints Happy Hour Podcast. Quick break. The Saints and Pelicans team reporter, Aaron Summer, joins us next. It's a sports hangover on ESP in New Orleans. Texting privacy policy in terms of conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message data rates may apply. Reply. Stop, stop, stop. Binges, blackouts, regret, shame, trying and failing to drink less or quit. Hi, I'm Jonathan, founder of Or Health. I know how scary drinking too much can be because I struggled with alcohol misuse for most of my adult life. But I also know that it is possible to drink less or quit. And medication can help. Now, Trexone is a safe, effective medication that makes it easier to cut back or quit drinking so you don't have to rely on willpower alone. I started Or Health to make access to Naltrexone convenient and private to help people like me regain control over alcohol. If you're ready to stop drinking or just drink less, text DRINK to 323232 to get a secure link to Or Health's private online assessment. Our licensed medical professionals will evaluate your assessment, and if medication is right for you, prescribe it online. We'll deliver your prescription right to your door. No doctor's office visits required. Tax the word DRINK to 323232 to get started today. That's DRINK to 323232. Your business deserves the highest quality internet connection and phone service. Rev Business offers you the best at a great price. Delivered on an all-fiber network and backed by our local support teams who have been going that extra mile for 85 years. Rev Business wants to show you the power of hosted phone service and Metro E, direct connections between your locations. For a limited time, get three months free. Some restrictions may apply. Visit us at letsrev.biz. Rev Business. It's Gus Kattengell with the Sports Hangover. Join us for Thursdays with the crew of Katie's. Every Thursday, we'll be live at a member of the Katie's family of restaurants from 12 to 3. Whether it's Katie's on Iberville, Francesca's Deli on Harrison, or Bienview on Hickory. Enjoy lively sports banter with delicious eats. Join us as we talk about the latest from our local teams. And you'll likely hear me argue with Scott Craig about his St. Louis Cardinals and my Chicago Cubs. Good thing he's a Brother Martin grad. Thursdays from 12 to 3 is the Sports Hangover with the crew of Katie's on ESPN New Orleans. Got a hot take? Everybody listen up. Let's hear it. Call us at 800-998-1003. Answer that phone. Or tweet us at ESPN Radio NOLA. Now, back to the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. All right, welcome back. It's the Sports Hangover. Saints, back at it at practice. Saints and Pelicans team reporter Aaron Summers. Aaron e. Summers, a way to follow over on X. How are you? Happy New Year, Aaron. Happy New Year. I'm doing great. So far, our teams have been winning in the new year, leading into the new year. So, yeah, things are, are going really well over here. 
always a good time for sure. Uh, did you see Sunday coming? <laughs> Woo! You know, it's tough because I think we've all been waiting to see the team come out the way that they did. And for it to happen in week 17, you know, there's always the, well, what if? And, man, if we could have had this. You know, I'm glad that it finally came together and they still have a chance. Got to go in, beat the Falcons on Sunday. Falcons have not been playing very well. Looks like if the t- same team that we saw come out against the Bucks shows up again Sunday, should get that victory. And then we just got to hope that a couple other things happen and we can keep playing this year. Yeah. Um, look, obviously health seemed like it was something that was brought up a lot, especially with Derek Carr's play from coach to Derek to other mm-hmm. players seeing that as well. Are the Saints healthier than it been going into, I guess, these final games, including this this final game? Obviously, I think a lot of people would love to see Michael Thomas and Marshawn Lattimore. I think DA kind of said that's probably not going to happen. But other than that, is the team, including like Jawan Johnson and others, just healthier than they have been? Is that why we're seeing this? I think so, because if you look at Derek Carr's stats alone, he's had two passing touchdowns in four straight games, which is the second longest active streak in the NFL. So that's great for him he's things seem like they're finally clicking he leads the nfl with completion percentage and has 111 passer rating since week 14 so the last several weeks for him have been what we were hoping to see from him and i think a lot of it has to do with because he had so many injuries early in the season he's really settling in finally healthy the chemistry is developing Jawan johnson i mean he has had a receiving touchdown now in each of the last three games. So he has come on. It just seems like they're really finding the recipe for success on the offensive side. You know, they weren't trying to kill the Bucks with the deep balls. They were just kind of going under the defense all day mm-hmm. because I think the Bucks were playing them, you know, playing back because they were worried about that. And, and the Saints did a great job just kind of playing into the game that was there for them and using Jawan Johnson the way that they have the past couple of weeks, the other tight ends, Taysom Hill, he's been really successful as well, has been great to see from the Saints offense. When you look at, obviously, health, the, the one thing I think of is Alvin Kamara not being able to play in that second half. And, look, mm-hmm. I, I got to imagine it's going to take time for this ankle to either be ready or game ready. That guy is a trooper, and obviously with everything on the line, I have to imagine. I don't, I don't have to look at the injury report. I think it's probably have to wait till Sunday to see because I'm, I'm, i I got to think he's going to do everything he can to get out there. But if not, where's Kendra Miller at? Do they trust, obviously, what, what Jamal can do? How does the Saints run game go into Atlanta while they wait to see if Alvin can recover? Yeah, so Alvin obviously missed the whole second half, and – you would think that it would change things immensely. And it didn't really seem to have as much of an effect on the game as you would have thought because mm-hmm. you had Jamal Williams that was in there to step up. Adam Prentice, you know, stepped up in some situations as well. So while Kamara obviously leads the team in scrimmage yards, rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, and it would be great to have him, I think Jamal Williams has, has shown that he is capable, obviously, of some of those, you know, runs up the middle he clearly does not worry about contact and then having Adam Prentice kind of fall in line as well you know he had his longest carry of his career when he got the third down the seven yards for the third down conversion so that's been good to see as well Kendra Miller has been interesting because he's been you know pretty much hurt most of the season whether it's been the hamstring last week it was the ankle 
Um, I will say does look like things are going to be moving in the right direction for him to be available this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen him, you know, not out there with his knee brace like he had been for a while. So hopefully he's going to be fully healthy and ready to go and couldn't come at a better time if, if Alvin's not able to. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things where you look back at this draft class and you would like to have seen a little more contribution from some of those guys. We've seen A.T. Perry make some catches, Brian mm-hmm. Rizzi getting a couple sacks here as well, but then got some players you know, along the lines of, of Kendra Miller where, um, and, and Foskey really haven't been able to contribute because of injury as well. Mm-hmm. So that's something that maybe next year it will be a little bit different. I want to transition to across the parking lot, Aaron, because you were there last night. And saw a a biz, you know, there's business trips on a road, right? And then there's taking care of your business over at home. What was your biggest takeaway from what you saw last night in the Pelicans win? The Pelicans started the game the exact way that they needed to. They needed to make sure that they set the tone early. We saw it Sunday against the Lakers. They did it again against the Nets, which is good because the Nets probably didn't bring the same amount of emotion that the Pelicans were, were feeling when they faced the Lakers on Sunday, but they didn't let up. They came out extremely hot in the first quarter. CJ McCollum has been playing on another level, the way he's been hitting from outside to start these games off. And then defensively, absolutely shutting down the Nets. They were so disruptive. They had nine blocks, 10 steals. I think that that type of play, the effort, the energy that they're bringing on the defensive end really helps them just find easy opportunities offensively, whether it's to get out and run or they're just feeling more confident because they're not playing from behind and they're just really playing free on the offensive end. So that was great to see for them to really just come out and take care of business, as you said, in that game, regardless of who the opponent was. Jose said it after the Lakers game, trust was something that he got out of that game and the way the team is playing right now, that everyone kind of is trusting and buying into each other. I just saw this get posted. The Pelicans are 6-0 and and Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, CJ McCullough all have five plus assists. They've done it in three straight games, Aaron. It's incredible when you have your three, your big three, knowing that they're capable of just taking over games. And they're not. They're looking for the best options. They're getting their teammates involved, which makes them an even bigger threat because then the defense has to guard more than just Zion, Bi, and CJ. They have to worry about everybody on the court, and that is the recipe for success for this team. When those three guys are getting other players involved, you saw it so many times where Zion was going to the rack and he passed it out because there was somebody wide open, Herb Jones, wide open in the outside, and he's knocking down three-point shots. That kind of you know, cohesiveness on your team, it gives Herb Jones more confidence that they're going to pass it off to him and expect and, and trust that he's going to knock down the shot. So we've seen Herb's game start to grow over the past couple of day, uh, past couple games. You know, He had 14 last night, 11 Sunday. That's a great sign. Again, if you can have other players around you, become a threat offensively. I mean, Herb Jones had more points than Brandon and Zion last night, which is incredible to say that they got such a big win without those players being your top scorers. So it's been really good to see everybody contribute and everybody getting involved. 
It's also incredible that Herb Jones was the only starter to go to the free throw line. You know that, Iron. The only starter to go to the free throw line. At some point last night, I looked at it, and I think there was only five total trips between both teams. And that was like in the third quarter. It was incredible, but the game was flying. I didn't want to say anything about it because you didn't want it to start turning into a whistle fest. But, yeah, it, it was it was crazy that nobody else, and obviously there was a huge controversy with Zion Williamson and the no call on him when he was completely bear-hugged and then got the tech. We can go into that all day. But, yeah, it was um, it was pretty interesting that Herb was the only one that went to the line out of the starters. Aaron, those were basketball moves. That was incidental. That was. <laughs> right. Right. He was just hugging him. It That's was, it. It was. Uh, right. You know, happy new year. Here's a hug. All right. Matchups. <laughs> it's all about matchups in the NBA. Three meetings already between the Pelicans and the T-Wolves. And, um. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to, to make of this. I, I know this. They're 14 and one at the target center. They're really good at home. They're a really good mm-hmm. team. They're, there's a reason they're number one in the Western Conference. They have done very well at home. They've done very, very well on back to backs. They lead the league and they're nine and one in those games. So all of that, yes, trending in the, in the right direction for Minnesota. However, this year, We've seen them three times already. We lost to 1-1. The difference in those games was Zion Williamson. He only played in one game against the T-Wolves. In that game, he had 36 points, five rebounds, two assists. I would think that those numbers, as far as the assists, the rebounds, are going to increase. He has been the difference maker, and I think he will be again in this game. Aaron Summers, Saints and Pelicans team reporter. Appreciate the time. Thank you so much, and let's see what takes place tonight. Sounds good. All right, when you come back, we'll visit with the professor once again. It's the Sports Hangover in ESPN New Orleans. This is Greeny. Greeny. If there's one thing that I'm a little concerned about, it's that the Jets seem to me to be very concerned about all the things that are said about them and all the things that are being done around them. And none of those things make a damn bit of difference. And they need to spend absolutely no energy worrying about what Sean Payton says or what talk shows say or anybody else. Greeny with Mike Greenberg. Weekday mornings at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can watch and listen on the ESPN app. One of our top local supporters is GIS. GIS is a strategic energy partner with main headquarters located in Galeano, Louisiana. With over 20 different locations and over 20 service offerings, GIS has expanded itself to provide their capabilities across the nation as well as globally. There are many opportunities available to join the GIS team. You can visit their website at www.gisy.com to learn more about starting your career with GIS today. My dad, he's a double amputee, and uh, he's one of my favorite people in the world. To me, a hero is someone who fights for our country and freedom. My dad is a hero. Homes for our troops built this house, and it's basically made for him. My dad can get through the wide doorways. When he is making our lunch, he can reach anything we need. He'll help me build tiny projects. Life is good here. Without Homes for Our Troops, we'd be living in a home that didn't have all these features that helped him. 
Homes for Our Troops builds and donates specially adapted custom homes nationwide for severely injured post-9-11 veterans and enables them to rebuild their lives. If they get a new house like this one, it will help them, like, do normal life. My dad's not just a hero. He's my hero. Join our mission at hfotusa.org. Eight hundred nine nine eight one double zero three. I don't know if it's a question of the day, if it's more of a what, what would be the perfect case scenario thing of the day, or the worst case scenario of the day uh, on its here as well. As again, Saints have a couple of opportunities to make the playoffs. None of them are easy because you don't really control your destiny from that standpoint, right? You can help yourself by winning and beating. Atlanta on Saturday. That's going to do a couple of things for you. A, uh, it's going to make everybody happier because you never like to lose or want to lose to Atlanta Falcons, much less at home. So that's going to be a big thing. That's one. But then, of course, the Panthers and Bucks. You got to be watching that game to see what takes place on there. Now, the professor Nick Harrison, you, uh, you enjoy odds making, you enjoy looking at the gambling aspect side of things here as well. When you look at the Bucks and Panthers, it's in Carolina. Tampa Bay is a five and a half point favorite going into this game. The over under is 37 and a half. And I guess my question more than anything else that I got to figure out is, what are the Panthers planning on doing with Bryce Young? And, you know, does Andy Dalton play? Does Bryce Young, what, was he injured or hurt in the previous game? They didn't score last week. As they lost 26 to nothing in that game. And that was just, you know, bad. <laughs> to say the least, in Jacksonville, as the Panthers 0-9 on the road, held scoreless for the first time since losing to Atlanta in Week 12 in 2002. You have the owner, David Tepper, throwing a drink into the crowd. The NFL has since fined him um, three, $300,000, which a lot of people don't think is, is a lot there. Um. So yeah, eight hundred nine nine eight one double zero three. As I see the lines ringing here, if you want to give me your thoughts as to what be the perfect worst case scenario, I guess. I mean, is it just one of those things, Nick, where the, the Saints win on Sunday, Panthers and Panthers and Bucks? You know, I don't know what was a perfect win like loss scenario where you're, I don't know, heartbroken or not, or 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 do you think it actually falls into place? I just I don't see how that. That Panther team beats Tampa Bay. I, I I just don't, especially the way they're playing. But he didn't score, man, last week. You, you know? got to just count on a, a wild card. I don't think the division is what you're gonna get, but you just want to get into the playoffs. If you look into the if you look at the scenarios for the Saints, the wild card scenarios are much more plausible than the Panthers beating the Bucks because the Bucks aren't resting anybody because they they're trying to win the division too. They don't want to lose out on it. So it is imperative, imperative that 
uh, who is it? Green Bay? Mm-hmm. There's Green Bay. Yeah, the other scenarios playing out. So the Saints can actually get into the playoffs as a wild card. Because even, even as a wild card, you're in. You know, it would be nice to have a home playoff game. It'd be nice to have a playoff game in the dome. That'd be fantastic. But it'd be nice to have a division championship. Uh, but right now you're just trying to get in. You just want to get in. You got to get, you got to be in it to win it. So let's just hope that the Saints, you know, scenarios kind of pan out for the wild card because I don't see the division happening. If it does, great. If the Panthers find a way, because the Panthers have found found a way, what, twice this season? They found a way. If the Panthers can find a way to somehow beat a Tampa Bay team that has actually looked pretty decent and a Baker Mayfield that has looked pretty good, he's up for comeback player of the year, uh, this year. It's, and that's going to be interesting to see how that one shakes out because I think it's between him, right. Joe Oh, and a man who literally died on the field last year. So we're going to see how all of that shakes out. But right now, the Saints are looking at a wild card, and they better hope that that kind of shakes out for them. West Bank, Rick, I'm going to get to you in a quick second. Bryce Young's literally speaking to the media. I'm just going to go to the very first minute here and see what he has to say. Um, I, You know, I didn't come in with any expectations. I didn't, you know, everything was new, just like I'd imagine it would be for, for any rookie. Um, I didn't, you know. I'm, you know, you're, we're still trying to, you know, I'm trying to figure stuff out. Um, you know, we're all trying to work through things. So I didn't, I didn't come in having this, this picture of what it would look like. Um, you know, I'm super grateful to be where I'm at. I'm super grateful for the journey. Um, you know, obviously not everything this year has, has gone the way that, you know, maybe we had planned it. Um, but I do believe everything happens for a reason. Um, so I'm grateful to be, to be where I'm at. So that's kind of just how I look at it. When you're in the thick of it, can you get a sense of what the reasons may be as to some of the early... Yeah, they're done. I mean, <laughs> I don't have to listen anymore. All right, so, so it's on to the wild card then, essentially. So those games, Nick. Um, so you got the Bears. No, yeah, you need the Packers to lose, right? And the Seahawks to lose. So the Bears are at Green Bay. Green Bay three-point favorite, 28 degrees, snowing. Over under forty five and a half. What are you hearing about this? Um, the Bears. I think even though they're not favored to win this game, I think they have a lot to prove uh, going into the off season. Justin Fields been playing really well since he's come back. Got a lot to feel. Got a lot to prove going into the off season. Justin Fields needs to save his job because I think the Bears are going to be. Uh, I think don't they have one of the early picks or something? They gave away one of their picks. What is it? They, I think uh, I want to say they got the number one pick and then they got the Panthers pick. So right now it'd be like one in fives. Yeah, they got two picks in the top five right now. So they could plausibly go after a high profile quarterback, maybe a Caleb Williams if they're not satisfied with Justin Fields. So Justin is going to need to put on, he's going to need to have one of those, uh, uh, those, those legendary Lambeau performances for the last game of the season in order to save his job. So I'm looking for that kind of motivation for them. And on the other side of the Seahawks, who do they have? The Seahawks are taking on the Cardinals in in uh in Glendale. And Kyler has looked kind of good towards the end of the season. Didn't they didn't the Cardinals just beat the Cowboys or who was it they just beat? Who did they win last week? Who was that? The Cardinals? Oh, yeah, they didn't they just they had the big upset of forty ers Yeah. So I mean they're you got two teams in the Bears and the Cardinals who are actually playing pretty decently towards the end of Eagles, the season. I'm sorry, they lost to the Fortnite. Eagles. Thirty five thirty one. Eagles. Yeah, the Eagles. But still it's still a big win for the Cardinals, and I think that the Bears and the Cardinals can both actually win those games. So that's what you're hanging your hat on right now if you're the Saints because 
I don't feel like there's any way the Panthers can win on Sunday. I don't. I just don't. I I don't see it. I mean, can they? Sure. I. I mean, look. You could say they 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 came out flat. Tampa did, but mm. you saw eventually they they got going. I mean, the Saints were making plays too. I mean, the Saints showed up and legitimately played good football in the first half. We're punching out. The, I mean, it wasn't like a very mistake laden Bucks team. The Saints were making plays legitimately. So, you know, from that perspective, uh, I don't know. But West Bank Rick, I promise I'd come to you, sir. What do you got? I, I think the only thing we'll be uh, that the Saints organization will be celebrating is if he do win a game, he'll have his first winning season as a head coach. Um, other than that, I would say me as a Saints fan, I am in purgatory. Mm. I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should make sure this team root for them to lose because uh, I don't want to go in at the title. I mean, give me a title. I'm I'm used to being confident in my team getting in the playoff and doing something in the first round. If I'm not confident that they're going to do nothing and I hear everybody else that's not confident that they're going to do something in the first round, well, I know this is why we play the game. I don't want to see why we gonna play this game and how we gonna play it when I see the whole season <laughs> of how this coach staff has been missing, put people in the right spots, letting people go that should be still here. I mean, it's a lot of. I'm, I'm looking at Trey Hendricks, and I still say, why the hell oh, did we dude, let this Trey Hendrickson? Yeah, look, I mean, Trey Hendrickson's another. I remember being at practices, man. Nick in West Bank, Rick, looking at Todd, looking at Marlin. I'm like. Why is this? All he did at practice, by the way, was two hand touch the quarterback. He constantly kept getting to the quarterback, and I'm like, why is this guy not playing? But you know, it's well, you got money invested in draft picks, you got money invested in other free agents and things of that nature, and they want up to haunt them instead of again seeing what's in front of them. That guy was producing, and then you look at this guy like Zach Bond. I mean, I'm like, go work at Subway. They were using him wrong, clearly, because the last couple of games. He's actually been productive because they're not dropping him back in coverage because anybody with eyeballs can see he gets smoked when he's trying to cover somebody. I mean, literally, I'm not being disrespectful, but Aaron, Todd, whoever's sitting next to me during training camp, like, this guy's terrible. He cannot cover anyone. It's the same thing like with LSU. I don't know if y'all guys are seeing right now on social media. It's basically every five minutes an LSU football player is either posting a video of them kicking rocks. Uh, Harold Perkins just tweeted, well, ain't it funny when it's, it's, a, it's an emoji picture of a bunny and then a gun? I mean, the LSU defenders did not like Matt House. I don't know how else to put it other than that. Goodness. But my point is that even with that guy, right? Like, that guy goes and makes plays and gets after the quarterback. Why would you ever have him drop in coverage? Much less that's his number one thing. Like, that makes no sense. So I'm with you, West Bank, Rick. And it, look, it makes it for a better week this week to talk about the possibility of a playoffs. If we talk playoffs yep. next week, it's a lot better than the season ending and putting people on the bus in the season. So I will take that. But the fact that you're in this position, and as Nick went through all the different scenarios, it, it, you failed already, man. Purgatory. Purgatory. We're in the in-between. We don't even know up or down. Uh, hey, uh, what you thought about those, uh, like you said last night, uh, the easy, smooth win, like sailing in the summer breeze last night, the game, how it flowed and 
and everybody was just passing the ball around. Now, the turnovers did upset me because I didn't think they had that many turnovers. Yeah. Other than that, they they were they was looking the trust factor. I hope is I hope they do the same thing tonight where they're moving the ball around and trusting people. And then they did one of the oldest things in the book. Uh, who would say just uh, back the ball down, go into the paint, and then kick it out? <laughs> Very yeah. simple, simple uh, game. Yeah, like I said, it. Oh, um, oh I that, want to point out one more thing too, Gus. Uh huh. They um those last two games against the Lakers and this game. It seemed like in the first quarter, I saw like 88% from three, like the first five or seven minutes of the game. And I thought that was crazy. Because right. I don't ever remember us kicking threes that consistently and on eye. No. Uh, and, and then when they start out by threes like that, Nick, when we come back, we'll take a look at 